as a church, we are going through the book of Acts. So, Acts in our time is our theme. And today we'll be in Acts chapter 8. And the title today is The Scattered. Okay, The Scattered. Because that's what happens in Acts chapter 8. And um, it's interesting because very soon we may all be scattered. <laughs> we may all be scattered because of coronavirus. And so it's just the Holy Spirit brought us to this chapter to remind us of how we should behave in times when we are scattered. But um, Acts 8, we read, And Saul approved of their killing him. So here, Stephen had just been killed. And Saul was approving of his killing. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And that's the beginning of Acts chapter 8. My first point, I am with you always. I am with you always. Stephen has died. He's been killed. What did he do? He preached in Acts 7, telling the Jews, because of Christ, your temple will become obsolete. Your high priest and your practices will become redundant. And he's just been killed. As a result, now the church faces great persecution. It says great persecution broke up against the church in Jerusalem. They are being harassed. They are being hounded. They are being maltreated. The church is being destroyed. The disciples are being dragged off. Men, women to be put in prison. And we are told all, all except the apostles were scattered. So the apostles remain in Jerusalem. But the rest of the disciples are where? Scattered. Running for their life. But what did they do as they are being scattered? Running, carrying away. No. They preached the word wherever they went. Why? Because they remembered what Jesus had said. Go and make disciples of all nations because I'm with you always. The ordinary disciple was out and about preaching the gospel. It is interesting. Sometimes we come to church and we have this mentality, the clergy and the laity mentality. The guys who are paid, they should go and evangelize. Then they have those who went on the mission team, the missionaries, should evangelize. Then they have the outreach team, they should do the evangelism. The rest of us who are ordinary, no. We don't read that in the book of Acts. The apostles were in Jerusalem and the ordinary disciples were scattered. And what did they do? Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. But it is interesting, isn't it? Jesus, in Acts 1, had told them, 
you receive power from the Holy Spirit and you be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. Now, how are they going to do that? They are going to come up with an incredible strategy, missionary strategy to go and do that. <laughs> but actually, we are told the persecution. All except the apostles were scattered where throughout where? Judea and Samaria. Which is exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. You be in Jerusalem, you be in Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the world. And sometimes circumstances as now, the coronavirus circumstances Prayer us towards things we thought we could never do. I don't know what it may be for you. But you know what? God is always with you. And wherever you are, if you trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, you are going to do amazing things for God. The circumstance in which we face is not so that we shrink back, but actually... God is going to use it to glorify himself. The challenge I give you, I give all of us. We may be self-isolating, we may be quarantined. Share the word with your family. Share words of comfort. Words of hope. Words of salvation. Share with your family. Share with your friends. Share with your neighbors. If you do know old people, please phone them and say hi. Mm. If you do know people who are self-isolating, phone them and encourage them. That is the challenge we face. That I'll be with you always to the very end of the year, Jesus said. I'm with you always. We scatter. Christians, wherever you are, on your own, guess what? You are not on your own. Jesus is with you. Amen. And you have his Holy Spirit and you can do something. Amen to that? Yes. Point number two. The great power means the greater power. When we read, we understand where it's coming from. We read on from verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowd heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirit came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. Of course, the great power is going to be the greatest power. Mm -hmm. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. 
when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I bet you are a little bit confused. You are a member of the church and you heard me say what I said about Holy Spirit. But we'll come to that. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Amen. Amen. So, our point number two, the great power is going to be the greatest power. Let me give you a bit of background. I won't take you to the Old Testament because the background between the Jews and Samaritans goes very far. After the Pentateuch, they break. Okay, but I won't but I can bring you to where Jesus had an encounter with the Samaritans. In Luke 9, at the time, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus set out for Jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaria, Samaria to get some things ready for him. The people there did not welcome him. Why? Because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, you know what we can do? Let's call fire down from heaven and destroy them. Oh, by the way, that is John that became the apostle of love. But at this point, he said to Jesus, you know what? Elijah did it. We can do it. Let's burn this whole city down. <laughs> Let's nuke them. <laughs> but Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Another encounter. I just say this so that we get a bit of background. The Samaritans had major attitudes. Certainly Jerusalem is not a place they like. Because the Jews said we should worship in Jerusalem. They said, no, no, we worship in Gerizim. Anyway, John 4, again, said, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The Samaritans 
You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, which the Samaritans never liked the idea. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father sees. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. So Jesus, just go off, okay? The Messiah is coming. When he comes, he would sort out all the Jerusalem and the Mount stuff. Jesus declares, I the one speaking to you, I am he. So, Samaria is not a place the apostles will immediately head for. There is a history. The Samarian attitude, Samaritans attitude towards Jerusalem. I mean, they will restrict people. If you, are, you cannot pass through their village if you are going to Jerusalem. No. Do a detour. Where are you going to Jerusalem? No. You can't, we don't want you going to Jerusalem. Salvation. They had no concept of how salvation will come from because, as I said, after the Pentateuch, they split. So all the promises through David and the line through which the Messiah will come, the Samaritans never believed. Their inadequate knowledge of God, therefore Jesus and Luke, you, we know whom we worship, you don't know whom you worship. And that is why they could follow a sorcerer, because they didn't know the truth. So these people are going into a territory where normally they wouldn't want to go. But Philip ventures into that territory. Philip ventures into that territory. So we go back and let's see what happens. So we are told Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the message there. When the crowd heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. Why did they pay attention to what he said? Because of the signs. So if we go back, let's go back to what we've looked at before. Remind yourself. The four types of gifts bestowed by the Holy Spirit. That is why this message can be so confusing. Because they said they've been baptized and yet they have not received the Holy Spirit. How could that be? So, there is a truth gift, which is the revelation of God, which now we have in the Bible. Is that sorted? Yes. Great. But before the Bible came, according to my second, through most of the period of recorded biblical history, the word of God was in the process of becoming. But before it became what it is, the written complete available word, it needed confirmation. And how did they confirm that? Through the miraculous gift. So we come back to this passage. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs, the miraculous gift, what did they do? They paid attention to the truth he was speaking. Are we happy with that? Let's go back to our scriptures. I'm taking time for us to understand this because Unless we grasp this concept of the Holy Spirit, we get confused. 
It goes on verse 9. For some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the, in the city. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him attention. He said, this is the great power of God. Wow. Deity was given to this guy. Why? Because he was fake sorcerer. You think, how could that happen now? It did happen even in Jesus' days. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform merry miracles? Then I'll say to them plainly, away from me, you evil doers, I never knew you. It happened. So today people will say they are doing miracles. Be very careful. Jesus said, you never, I never knew you. Satan works through miracles. And Christians need to be aware of that. It's funny when we study the Bible with these people with the Holy Spirit. The Bible is so clear. Let's not be confused. Let's not be confused. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news. When they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. They were baptized both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And so. When they got baptized, what did they receive? Back to our table. Number four. Yes. They received a salvation gift. When they got baptized, they received a salvation gift. Indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And so when the apostles come and lay hands on them, what gifts are they giving them? Service gifts. The miraculous gifts or the service gifts. Do you understand what is going on? But the gift they had received at the point of baptism when they repented and got baptized was the gift of salvation. It is important we understand that. If not, we'll be very confused with the message we hear. And then they come lay hands and Simon thought, Wow! What a great opportunity for me to make money. <laughs> the spirit is passed on. These guys spread their hands and people are doing amazing things. Look, I can put million bucks down right now <laughs> and I'll make ten million. Do you understand what is going on? His motive for becoming a Christian is even worked. And again, this thing tells us one saved is not always saved. He's been baptized and yet immediately he said you can't be part of us. Why? Because his motive was what? We just need to be very careful. We think one saved always saved. That is not true. You can be saved today and lose your salvation if you deliberately keep on sinning. If you defy the commands of Christ. And that is why as a body, we need to watch ourselves. Yeah. That is why, as a body, we do church discipline. Yeah. Because we are imperfect. Jesus put it in there for us. So, he asked for money. 
is impure motive. And um, let's go forward. Timothy said, people of corrupt mind. It talks about people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Simon thought, I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to make a lot, grab a lot of power here. He was wrong. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And we need to be very careful that when we are coming to Christ, our motive is pure, sincere. But indeed, this great power, the sorcerer met greatest power. He met a greater power as the message of Christ was preached. Amen? And again, as we go out, we are going to meet fake religion. We need to proclaim Christ purely and soundly. That is what we are called to do. Are you with me, church? So, we move to point number three. The rich receives greater inheritance. Oh, that's a contradiction. I think the Bible said it will be very difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Again, it's amazing how the scriptures actually... Jesus said, yes, but for God nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. And that impossibility will meet in this next man, mm-hmm. the Ethiopian eunuch. Verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian, that is someone from the southern now region, who is was eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasure of the Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and had the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Referring to Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in my way of my being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is in the footnote in your Bible. 
and he gave orders to the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again but went on his way rejoicing. I love this passage. I love this passage so much. It's one of my favorites. Here is a man who is rich, wealthy, educated, got friends in high places. The official chancellor of the exchequer. Okay. But God wants this man to be saved. Look at how God orchestrated this. Philip sends the angel to Philip. The Holy Spirit is guiding. The coincidence of even the scripture this man is reading. The appropriate scripture. The time and place. God wants everybody to be saved. We are his agents. But anyway, this man is wealthy. The distance between Ethiopia and Jerusalem is estimated to be 1,300 miles. There was no cars and there was no flyby and all that. (laughs) It would take him several weeks of travel. In the desert, just imagine the condition, the scarcity, the dryness, the high temperature. There will be bandits stealing people's stuff, wild animals. Okay? And uh, this man is just going to do what? To worship. The other thing we know about this man is he's an eunuch. Do you know who an eunuch is? He's been castrated. He's a man castrated. No testicles, whatever you may call it. Because he's attending to the queen. And they didn't want any mistakes. (laughs) So they neutralized that mistake. He's a eunuch. And he's a Gentile. Going to Jerusalem to worship. Guess what? Leviticus said, The Lord said to Moses, For the generations to come, none of your descendants who has a defect may come near to offer. No man who has any defect may come near. No man who has what? Damaged testicles. This man falls into that category. And you must not accept such animals from the hand of a foreigner. He's a foreigner. Deuteronomy 23.1 No one who has been emasculated by a crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of God. Wow. So this man goes all the way to Jerusalem and he cannot even enter the temple to worship. Whoa. What a barrier. What should he do? But I see this man is reading the Bible. The beauty. He was reading, we have just quoted Isaiah 53. But in Isaiah 56, look at the promise he probably was holding on to as he comes to worship. This is a promise he reads in Isaiah 56. This is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath. He falls into that category. Who choose what pleases me and who follows my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and his walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. Amen. Amen. You've been castrated. You are not going to have sons and daughters. But I'm going to give you a name better. Mm. 
their sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners, which he falls into, who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to his servants, or who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, or who hold fast my cup. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Amen. This man was holding on to a hope. He didn't even know. What is this hope? I'm unique. Wow. There's this scripture promising me that I'll have eternal inheritance. That as a foreigner, I'll be accepted somehow. How is this going to happen? And of course, it will come through Jesus. Amen. Amen. It will come through Jesus. The Ethiopian eunuch will receive salvation. And you realize that this man's conversion was grounded in Scripture. And all conversions should be grounded in Scripture. Amen. Amen. He was listening to, he was engaging with God's word. It was critical for him becoming a true follower of Christ. Amen. And the Bible is central. It is central in our conversion. Therefore, in Acts 17, the Bereans were of noble character. Why? Because they examined the scriptures every day to see what if what said was true. Jesus said to the Jews who believe, If you hold to my teaching, then you are my true disciples. 2 Timothy 3.15 How from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which is able to make you wise for salvation. We cannot come to faith in Christ without the scriptures. For faith comes from hearing the message. The scripture is so essential. Paul reminds the church in Ephesus in chapter 4. When you heard about Christ, you were taught. You were taught in him in accordance with the truth in Jesus. You were taught with regard to what? Your former way of life. Sin. To put off your old self, which was being corrupted. To be made new in the attitude of your mind. Repentance. And to put on new self. Baptism in Christ. Amen. The word of God is important. And therefore, Philip didn't have to do miracles to this man. Twice, he was holding the word. Mm-hmm. The truth was with him. Yeah. No miracles were needed. God's word prevailed. God's word convicted him. Christians, I am all into us reading commentaries and books, religious books, but goodness gracious, don't forget the word of God. <laughs> that on. is where it begins. Yeah. Yeah. The little snippets you get from Bible Gateway or Premier Dad is not going to save your soul. Read the Bible. Amen. Be grounded in the Bible. I mean, if you were Philip sent to this guy, could you have explained to him from Isaiah 53 how he should be saved? Yeah. Christians should be able to do that. Amen. Amen. We should read the Bible. And therefore, when he heard, he said, look, what stops me from being baptized? And then they go down and urgently get baptized. And he was full of joy. So, the rich, the rich, receives greater inheritance. Contrary to what the disciples said. Wow, who can be saved? It's hard for the rich to go through these gates. Jesus said, nothing is impossible because God makes it happen. So, what we learn from Acts chapter 8 
wherever we go, Jesus said, I am with you always. Yeah. And brothers and sisters, let's not be worried. Even if tomorrow the government thing is we are not going to meet, we'll be in touch with each other. Yeah. Okay, we'll pray with each other. We may not meet in a gathering like this, but we may meet in a coffee shop and have coffee mm-hmm. and encourage each other with the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And we do so with our neighbors and friends we meet. Amen? Amen. That is not going to stop because I am with you always. Amen. Number two, the great power means the greater power. The fake religion, Jesus is the greatest. Mm-hmm. And we need to preach the greater power. It's about Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's not be shaken. By the fake miracles we see, the truth is in Christ. Finally, the rich receive greater inheritance. Because with God, nothing is impossible. The word of God is going to change us. The word of God will bring salvation, as it did with all of us. And so my encouragement to us is, as we scatter, like our first century brothers and sisters, let's go in faith. Let's go knowing that God will be Thank you very much for your time.